Sort of fits the sermon, though, doesn't it? All right. Okay. Well, I had a question to ask, and I can't remember what it is. Let's see. Here it is. How well do you take criticism? How do you like it when someone uh, points out something to you that you haven't done quite the way they think you should do it? Or maybe if they don't just say it verbally, you can just tell by the way they act that they really don't approve of what you're doing, and then that's interpreted more and more to maybe they don't approve even of who you are. Now, I know there are circumstances in which we welcome criticism. You know, there's those rare moments when we're trying to do something and we realize we don't really know what we're doing and someone comes along and they say, well, here, I can show you how to do that. But I think we have to admit that those moments are kind of rare, aren't they? For the most part, being criticized or being corrected is not our favorite thing. That great philosopher, sorry to say American, but he's English philosopher, of our times, David Beckham, says this. People react to criticism in different ways. And my way is to come out fighting. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can. When I think of being criticized, uh, one moment that's kind of burned deeply within me, and I may have shared this with you before, but... Toward the end of my academic career, I had to write this paper, you know, 250, 300-page paper. Worked on the thing for a year. And as we were working together in a group on these things, uh, one of the professors said, Now, when your paper is finished and you think it's done, you're going to send it in to the proofreader, and the proofreader will make corrections on it, grammatical, typos, so forth, and then we'll send the pages that need correction back to you for you to correct. He said, now, don't be offended because you will get some pages back. And in fact, most people get 20 or 30 pages back. So just be ready for that. Well, I kind of took that as a challenge. I thought, not me. My paper is going to be perfect. And I worked on that thing, and when I finally got it in shape, I proofread it about three times. I asked two or three other people to proofread it. One person who had a degree in journalism. I thought, man, I am home free on this one. So with great pride, I put it in the box and shipped it off to the proofreader, who happened to be, by the way, a friend of mine. And after I knew that she had received the paper... I just imagine, it's kind of like the story, the Christmas story, you know, where the guy turns the theme in, and he imagines how delighted the teacher is to read, just A+++++. Well, I just was imagining her reading that going, wow, I have never gotten a paper before this perfect. Well, when the time came, the mail came, and here came my box. My box, not, not a few pages, my box. Well, I have to admit, my first reaction was, there's no corrections. She just sent the whole thing back. Opening the box, I found a note from her that said, 
There were so many pages that had corrections, I just decided to send the whole thing back to you. <laughs> well, I started looking in, and I came out, and I thought, it was comma things, and ref- scripture, everything, and, and I said, wait a minute, wait. And then finally I thought, you know, I'm going to have to swallow this one, <laughs> and just make the corrections and do it the way she wants me to do it. You know, I've heard that being able to accept criticism and correction is a mark of maturity. I guess that's right. I don't know. (laughs) But I do know this, that a mark of spiritual maturity is not just to accept criticism and correction, but to ask for it. To seek it out. Now, there are several ways to do that. One is an age-old spiritual discipline that has been used through the centuries, where Christians are encouraged to find a spiritual guide or an accountability partner. There's a lot of names that this goes by these days. But a spiritual friend that you trust. And that you get together with on a fairly regular basis and you share the depths of what's going on inside of you spiritually. And one of the things that you do in this confrontation or this meeting is to ask, do you see anything in me, in my attitudes or in my actions, that I need to change? Now, that takes a lot of vulnerability to do that. And it takes a lot of trust in the person that you're working with. However, what we're talking about today is even bigger than that. It is even more than having a friend that you can share on that deep level with and accept correction and criticism from. What we're talking about today is what the great spiritual giants that we read about in Scripture did. What we want to talk about today is this, that we actually seek out criticism and correction from God. That we become that vulnerable to Him. That we are that humble before Him. That we lay our lives out there and say, God, what do I need to change? What attitude is in me that needs to be different? What am I doing that is hurting myself, that is hurting my relationship with you, and is causing pain to those who are around me? Notice that Jeremiah was one of those, um, if I can get this going here, Jeremiah was one of the spiritual giants that we're talking about. In our text, I know, O Lord, that the way of human beings is not in their control, that mortals as they walk cannot direct their steps. Therefore, O Lord, correct me. Now, the first part of that verse sounds a little bit like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very familiar passage to us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. You know, 
most of us are living life for the first time. Any of y'all second time around? Third time? Okay. No, most of us, this is our first shot at it, isn't it? And we really don't know what we're doing. We haven't done it before. And to have the humility to recognize that I don't know how to do this. To have the humility to recognize that I don't have the ability to see far into the future. I don't have the ability to recognize what maybe is everything that's wrong that I'm doing. What is, I don't know. I just haven't done it. I don't know. Trust not your own heart. And don't rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And when you acknowledge Him as the one who is to correct you and to lead you and to guide you, He will make straight, which is another word for correct, your paths. Now, that's a promise in Scripture. But it's also a challenge and an invitation in Scripture that we must come up to this level of maturity to finally realize that I need some help in this. Jeremiah, Lord, I know. It's just not in me. It's not in me to control myself and to know what I'm supposed to do and to direct my steps. Therefore, O oh Lord, I'm asking you to correct me. Do we have the courage to ask that? It's much like what David said in Psalm 139, another spiritual giant. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Sift through my life. See if there's any wicked thing in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I think it's interesting how Jeremiah and David kind of are on the same path, not only in this, but even that little last phrase there, in the way everlasting. If you recall, you probably, if you did a lesson on Jeremiah chapter 6, there's a verse in there that talks about stand at the crossroads and look for the ancient paths. Remember, anybody remember that verse? Ask for the ancient. It's the same word as the way everlasting. To look for God's ways. Do we have the courage to ask for that? You know, in our prayer life, there are lots of different little patterns you can use. This is one I'm throwing up here, and uh, it's good. It's good to have ways that get you outside of just simply, you know, closing your eyes or bowing your head and starting to talk to God. I mean, that's not bad. That's good. That's better than not talking to God. But to grow in our prayer life to where we are doing all the things that prayer is supposed to do. This is a little acrostic called Acts. And I'm sure most of you have run across this in some form or another. That reminds us that we begin our prayers in adoration. That we then move to confession of our sins. And then to thanksgiving to the blessings that God has given us. And then finally to asking for what we need. Now, the problem in there is I can go through that without any examination and without asking God to really look into me and to find the things that are wrong. I can pray lots of prayers, failing to put myself before Him 
and say, okay, God, I know I'm missing something. What is it? I need you to show me. I need for you to come and to, to open me up and to begin to work in my life. Because you see, prayer is really, that's what, that, that is the most powerful thing about prayer. Not what I'm telling God, but what he tells me in prayer. Prayer is not talking to God only, but it is listening to God. Opening your life to him. Because after all, he is looking at you all the time. He knows all that's going on. He's watching you. But I'm living my life and I'm not always thinking about him. And I'm not always opening my heart so that he can work on my heart. So somewhere in my prayer life, on a regular basis, I have to ask, Lord, what am I missing? What's going on in my life that's causing problems? Causing problems for me, for you, and for those that I love. Now, I believe that God answers that prayer. In fact, I believe that God is just waiting for us to say that prayer. You know, I pray a lot of prayers. I haven't gotten my Mercedes yet. I don't know why he doesn't seem to hear that prayer. Or, you know, there's a lot of things that I've prayed for that I really didn't see happen much. Because I guess God's not really that interested in some of those things being in my life. But for me to ask him for help in how I'm living and what I'm doing, I just picture God just leaning over, waiting for the opportunity for me to open up that heart and to say, go through it and let me know. Now, if you do that, sincerely, not just as another line in your prayer, but really from your heart, say, God, search me. Seek through my heart and know and let me know. What's going to happen? Well, here I can only share my personal experience. Some of the rest of you may have personal experiences that you could share, but this is what I have learned by practicing this spiritual discipline. One way that God does it is he uses this book right here. He uses his word. Now, I have almost a mystical appreciation for the word of God. I believe that this book was brought into existence through the power of the Holy Spirit working through holy people. And that in this book are teachings of God that through the power of the Spirit can go directly into my heart and into my life. And I believe that whenever I read these words, that the Holy Spirit and I are in communication with each other and something's happening there. It's not like me reading the sports section of the paper. This is something that opens my life to God. Now, if before I read, I bow to God and say, please, God, will you use your word today to dissect my life? And will you use your word today to correct me? It is amazing. I have read passages that I have memorized before. And then I go back and read them again and suddenly, there's something I never saw speaking directly to my heart 
And I believe that's because God says, Tommy, here it is. You need this. This is what you need. There's a passage in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16. Oh, I skipped over that. We'll go on. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So if you don't like to be criticized, don't open this book. If you don't like to be criticized, don't say the prayer. But if you want to walk in the way of the Lord, and for Him to identify in you the things that need to change, say the prayer and read the book. Another thing that happens often with me is suddenly something will just surface in my heart that I have been blind to, Sometimes for years. And I truly believe that is because I've asked God to teach me, to lead me, to guide me, to search my ways, O Lord, and find something. I have to confess that at times this has been very painful. Because I can be as defensive as any of the rest of you. And sometimes I have built walls around certain things in my life that I'm going to defend to the death, that I'm right on this. And suddenly, through laying myself in front of God, He begins to crack those walls and to take them down and say, you need to take another look at this. Maybe this attitude that you have about this or about that person, maybe you're wrong. It can happen. A passage I like to look to is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God can change your heart if you'll open it to him. Now, you can keep your heart locked up, you can keep your heart locked up, and you can still go to church, you can still do this, you can still do that. But until you open that heart to Him, that's when He'll come in. That's when He'll start changing. Now, one more, and I don't really have a scripture for this that I put down. But I found that sometimes in my life, whenever I practice this discipline, suddenly... Something in my life becomes very difficult to do. There's barriers there. I believe that God opens doors and God closes doors. And if we are willing to ask Him to correct us and to make our paths straight, then we're going to have to have the humility to recognize that suddenly when something is much more difficult to do, I know I've talked to folks before, and, and, and it, it really helps me to understand myself, too. That they're trying to stop a behavior in their lives, and suddenly it becomes harder for them to do that for various reasons. And yet, instead of changing the behavior, they just keep pushing harder against that door. we got to recognize that God actually puts barriers in our lives. 
and says, don't go this way. Detour. Go over here. And we can trust that if we prayed the prayer. Lord, search my heart. See if there is anything wicked within me. Lord, correct me. One more thing before we quit. I noticed something else about these passages. Almost every one of them that asks for God's help, it's almost like when they're asking, all of a sudden they go, I just asked God to criticize me. God, the ruler of the universe, the maker of all things. Therefore, Lord, I want your correction, but be gentle. (laughs) Jeremiah, correct me, O Lord, but in just measure. Don't get too mad, not in your anger, or you will bring me to nothing. Lead me, Father, but lead me gently. I don't know if this passage fits or not, but it's just one of my favorite ones. O Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. But when you look at me and become angry, in your wrath, may you remember your mercy. What a blessing it is to have a God who wants to help. What a blessing it is to have a God who, if we will open our lives, will offer that help to us. But oh, what a blessing to know he'll do it with mercy and kindness and gentleness. Father, we open our lives to you. And in this brief time, I know, Father, that there is too much, too much that you want to change in me and too much that you want to make happen in my life for it to just happen right now. But, Father, I pray that as I open my heart and all these folks here today open their hearts to you as well, that you will, through your word, through our hearts, through the things that we run into in our lives, that you will lead us, that you will guide us. Father, give us the humility to change. Father, give us the courage to ask you for your help. We pray all this through Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.